worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture. 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to Sask Ag Today with your host, Ryan Young. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sask Ag Today. It's brought to you by Milligan Bio, leading buyer of heated and damaged canola in Saskatchewan, wants to buy your seed. Visit MilliganBio.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Hope everyone had a good weekend. Here's what we have for today. We continue to highlight Farm Health Guardian, technology dedicated to tracking movement of livestock to help mitigate the risk of spreading disease. Showcasing the work the Cow-Calf Surveillance Network does. And Manitoba Agriculture has issued the latest crop pest update. The farm weather is always in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM News Director Ryan Young. SaskAg Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. Biosecurity is one of many challenges the livestock industry faces, and the CEO of Farm Health Guardian is addressing that challenge head-on. On Friday, Rob Hannum explained his biosecurity system of the same name, launched in 2020, is designed to mitigate the risk of disease transmission when transporting livestock around Canada. It is software based on GPS, which can connect to a client's GPS network in their semi, or they have the option to have the technology installed for them. Hannum says they conducted a series of pilot projects at farms in Quebec, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan, The latter was around the Saskatoon area. He says they had mixed results with some of the devices during testing. The first few devices we were trying, they really didn't pass the test. Um, But that's what you learn in research. Uh, The good news is, though, we did actually, in the end, identify three devices that work properly. And some of the main things we were looking for would be do they, you know, stand up to the cold winter? Did they continue to work through the winter in Saskatchewan? And we found some that do. Number two, what's the accuracy of the device and the battery life if it's battery powered? And again, we were able to find and identify some that work uh, well enough that we're, we're pleased. And then the third thing is about cleaning and pressure washing. And that was a real eye opener, even though some of the devices that we tried were rated to withstand pressure washing. When it comes down to it in real life, the trucks and, and trailers, think of a livestock trailer, a manure trailer, they're washed pretty well. And not all devices stood up to that. Again, the good news is we've got three that passed all the tests, and we're now actively promoting and selling those. Uh, they're called the Farm Health Guardian Passport devices, uh, and there's three of them that are available, and, uh, and you can check them out on our website. Hannum noted farmers who participated in the pilot projects were skeptical at first, but changed over time. We were able to show them information that they hadn't seen before about their operation. For some farmers, I think it opened their eyes to a few new new things they hadn't seen. 
For others, I think they instinctively had a good feel uh, for what was happening on their farm. And this really just proved it. It really kind of confirmed what they knew in their gut already, uh, but really showed it in in dollars and numbers, uh, what what was working and what wasn't working and just kind of confirmed their, their instinct. The products are available for sale and Hannum says next steps include working with chicken, turkey and pig farms, promotion and improving their system. Manitoba is where Farm Health Guardian has gained the most traction. In fact, over 70% of the pig farms in Manitoba use Farm Health Guardian. And so we hope to expand in you know, Saskatchewan, Alberta, Ontario, Quebec, and even in the U.S. as well. As for the cost of Farm Health Guardian... It depends on uh, the size of the system and and what features you want. And so if someone is just interested in recording the people movement, now that's something we haven't talked about yet, but uh, the, the easiest thing to do is record people movement when your workers or visitors arrive on your farm. They can use the Farm Health Guardian app or they can use uh, like a tablet computer and sort of type in their name when they arrive at your farm. And that service is available for as little as $15 a month per farm. So each farm location that you've got that at would be 15 bucks a month uh, just for that introductory subscription. And it goes up from there. Um, if, you've, if you're monitoring trucks, it's $50 per month and, uh, and a little bit higher for the full enterprise system if you were a larger company that had dozens and dozens of farms in your group. Farm Health Guardian was able to secure funding through the Canadian Agri-Food Automation and Intelligence Network to run the pilot projects. Kane's contribution was over $136,000 and the total project value was over 393000 That helped make it, you know, really low cost for the farmers to participate who were in the pilot project. And so thank you to Kane for that support. We submitted as part of that funding, we submitted like a a project plan as to how we're going to run this research and the experiments. And then we report to them every quarter on the progress that we had for testing the different devices and the ones that didn't work and the ones that worked and what we were going to do next. And also included a number of other aspects where we talked to veterinarians to find out what do they see as the biggest risks uh, for disease spread on farms. Uh, and we worked across, as you mentioned, several different provinces. We had some specific trials in Manitoba and a few in Quebec as well. Hannum says as farm operations are getting more complicated, they're trying to make it as simple as possible. Back with SaskAg Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. This segment of SaskAg Today is brought to you by Prairie 6-Inch. For Prairie 6-Inch eaves trough, size matters. So see Prairie 6-Inch eaves trough, your farm shop specialist. PrairieEavesTrough.ca and brought to you by Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit GrowMoreProfit.com. Ranching without records is like traveling without a map. Records tell you where you've been and where you are. Being able to connect those dots shows you where you are going, and if you don't like the destination, records can help adjust your management. The Canadian Cow-Calf Surveillance Network compiles data from 175 cow-calf producers and private veterinarians across the country to establish a solid database. The network was started 10 years ago by Dr. John Campbell and Dr. Cheryl Waldner with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan. In the last year alone, the network has learned several things. 
With more, this is Dr. Reynold Bergen, the Beef Research Council of Canada's science director. Since over-the-counter antibiotic sales ended in 2018, cow-calf producers have mostly used antibiotics to treat diarrhea in newborn calves, respiratory disease in calves before weaning, and lameness in mature animals. But most producers are treating less than 5% of their herd. They've learned that vaccination rates have really improved. You know, 92% of cows and replacement heifers and, and nearly three-quarters of bulls are given the core viral vaccine. So those are vaccines against IBR, BVD, PI3, and BRSV. 92% of producers also gave suckling calves those core viral vaccines, but only 47% of them provided a booster before weaning. Clostridial vaccines are used more often in Western Canada, so 68% of cows, 57% of bulls, 95% of calves in Western Canada. Lower clostridial vaccination rates in Eastern Canada, so about a third of cows and bulls and two-thirds of calves. They've learned that Yoni's disease is present in about 1% of cows and 5 to 18% of herds. That depends a bit on the test you use. There's a fecal test, and that was better at detecting positive animals than the blood test. This information has helped the participating producers and their veterinarians reevaluate their management. For instance, trace minerals like copper, molybdenum, and selenium impact animal health, treatment rates, productivity, and fertility. They found that copper deficiency was most common in southeast Saskatchewan, and overall 64% of western beef cows and 60% of eastern Canadian beef cows had less than adequate copper. High molybdenum is a problem because it makes copper deficiency even more likely. And high molybdenum was, was most common in Alberta, southern Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Quebec and it impacted 14% of cows in the west and 15% of cows in the east. Selenium deficiency was most common in western Alberta and eastern Canada, and overall, 34% of western Canadian beef cows and 73% of eastern Canadian beef cows had less than adequate selenium. Those deficiencies could not be predicted simply based on, on which soil zone you're in. Bergen talks about what's ahead for the Canadian Cow Surveillance Network. Over the next five years, this team is going to study herds of various sizes in eastern and western Canada. They're going to look at how things like calving season, so winter calving versus early spring calving versus late spring calving, and things like winter management, so extensive winter grazing versus you know feeding and confinement. How those things affect pregnancy rates, calving percentage, newborn calf survival, and, and weaning rates. Now, their goal isn't to find a one-size-fits-all solution that's going to optimize productivity for every operation. Instead, what they're going to try to do is figure out how these various factors interact to impact reproductive performance. You know, so that'll help cow-calf producers in all regions of Canada make more informed and economically optimal management decisions for their herd size, production system, and their geographical situation. The Canadian Cow-Calf Surveillance Network is looking for more producers to participate in their research. The sample collection costs are covered and cow-calf producers are reimbursed for participating in the survey and providing access to their cattle and records. 
If you have at least 40 cows, good records, and are willing to participate in the applied producer-focused research, contact Dr. Cheryl Waldner at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine in the next couple of weeks. Material in this report comes from Reynold Bergen's article in the August edition of Canadian Cattlemen Magazine and can also be found on beefresearch.ca. You're listening to Saskag Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Ryan Young. Now today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer of GX94, brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integra Tire dealers. Vietnam's Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development has released a revised quarantine pest list, which no longer includes creeping thistle. This decision will come into effect on September 29th. It follows advocacy from Canadian government and industry. Creeping thistle, also known as Canada thistle or field thistle, is a perennial species of flowering plant that can be found across countries in the Northern Hemisphere, including Canada, the United States, and Europe. In 2018, Vietnam announced that they would place phytosanitary restrictions on wheat from countries where creeping thistle can be found. In 2021, Canadian wheat exports to Vietnam fell to just over 20,000 metric tons from over 200,000 metric tons annually prior to the restriction. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 93% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 3, a decline from the previous week's 97% order fulfillment performance. The deterioration in performance in total reflects a decline in performance for CN and improved performance for CPKC. In supplying 87% of hopper cars ordered on time in week 3, CN saw performance decline from the 99% order fulfillment performance they posted in each of the first two weeks of the grain year. CN performance fell below the 90% performance threshold for the first time in seven weeks. CPKC order fulfillment performance improved with the railway supplying 98% of shipper orders in week three, an improvement from the 95% order fulfillment performance seen from CP in each of the first two weeks of the grain year. CPKC continues its run with now 19 straight weeks with order fulfillment performance above the 90% threshold. BC farmers say they're increasingly concerned about climate change and the impacts of extreme weather on food production in the province. Because of its warm climate, BC has a unique agriculture industry. The province's farmers can grow fruit and vegetables that won't grow in other parts of Canada. And BC also boasts Western Canada's only major winery regions. But in the last three years, BC farmers have suffered through drought, extreme heat, flooding and fires. These disasters have resulted in crop failures, livestock losses and widespread damage to farmland and infrastructure. Some farmers say they're worried about what the coming years will bring and add their industry will need increased government support to prepare for future natural disasters. Ukrainian officials have asked Lebanon to bar a Syrian state-owned cargo ship carrying allegedly stolen Ukrainian grain from docking in Lebanon's Tripoli port. 
The Ukrainian mission said in comments to Reuters that the Phoenicia was transporting 6,000 metric tons of corn, which it considered stolen, from the Black Sea port of Sevastopol. In the note to Lebanon's ministries of transport, finance and economy, as well as the customs directorate, the embassy said the corn had been stolen from storage units in the Zaporizhia, Mikolaev and Kherson regions. It said the ship was in violation of international law and expressed its hope that Lebanon does not allow the entry of the aforementioned cargo ship Phoenicia to Lebanese ports to sell stolen Ukrainian grain. Ukraine has estimated that 500,000 metric tons of what it calls plundered Ukrainian grain had arrived in Syria in 2022 since the February 2022 invasion shipped from several ports. Private equity firm Roar Capital has agreed to buy Subway in a deal that people familiar with the matter said values the U.S. sandwich chain at up to $9.55 billion U.S., including debt, subject to targets in its financial performance. The deal marks the conclusion of a drawn-out auction that started in February and attracted interest from several private equity firms. For the full deal price to be paid, Subway's cash flow would need to reach certain milestones over a period spanning two or more years after the deal closes, according to the sources. Without the earnout, the deal is worth $8.95 billion. Earnout structures, while uncommon in the consumer and retail sector, are increasing in frequency in a challenging market for mergers and acquisitions as a way to reconcile price differences. And that's today's AgReview. I'm Doug Falconer. It's your AgriWeather forecast on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, a special air quality statement is in effect due to the smoke that will linger around not only today and this evening, but also into tomorrow. Winds will be from the northeast today at 20 kilometers an hour, high of 29 degrees. Tonight, winds from the northwest still at 20 kilometers an hour before becoming lighter, a low of 13. Tomorrow's high is 31 degrees with the Humidex 32. Then tomorrow night, clear sky, low 15. Wednesday sunshine, also windy, high of 30 degrees, the low 9. Part the cloudy for Thursday, high of 23, the low 10. Friday sunny, high of 29, 13 is the low. Saturday sunny, high of 30, the low 12. And Sunday, part the cloudy, high of 27 degrees. Normal highs for this period are around 23. Normal lows, 8 degrees. Sun rose at 6.06 this morning, and the sun will set at 7.52 this evening. Taking a look around the province in Estevan, 27, Swift Current and Saskatoon, 25. Weyburn is at 26, Yorkton, 24. The warm spot in Saskatchewan is in Kindersley at 28.8 degrees. Cool spot in Collins Bay at 13.2. In Regina, the smoke... Winds from the west-northwest at 17 to 27 kilometers an hour. Humidity at 45%. Temperature 26 degrees or 79 Fahrenheit. Barometric pressure at 102.0 and falling. 
Down the road in Moose Jaw, lingering smoke. West-northwest wind at 18 kilometers an hour. Temperature 27 degrees. Once again in Regina, the pesty smoke. West-northwest wind at 17 to 27 kilometers an hour. Temperature 26 degrees. Back in a moment. You're tuned to Saskag Today on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This portion of Saskag Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com Manitoba Agriculture has issued its latest crop pest update. Provincial entomologist Dr. John Gavlowski says grasshoppers continue to cause issues in Manitoba crops this week. Yeah, now uh, this time of year, grasshoppers will be moving around a lot. Some crops are maturing, becoming less favorable to feed on, because so, they do like the lush green vegetation. So they're moving around, and there's uh, areas where there's still an issue, and, and it's very localized. Some areas, they're there, but they're not really causing economic harm. Other areas, people are still keeping an eye on things, deciding whether they need to do any control or not. He adds flea beetles are still a problem as well. So flea beetles are an interesting one because we see the adults twice. We see them early in the season where they do a lot of damage to the seedlings. But then you see the adults a second time. There's one complete cycle. The the ones we're seeing right now will overwinter and will be the exact same ones you see next year. But we do have some fairly heavy levels. At this time of year, they'll feed on the leaves. And that isn't really of economic concern because the leaves are senescing off anyway. In most cases, the yield is formed. When the leaves start senescing, though, they will move and feed on the younger pods. So usually those upper pods. Now, most of the yield is going to be in the lower pods. So in most cases, it's probably not going to be an economical thing. But there's, there can be exceptional cases where, at least in patches, you get some very heavy feeding on those younger pods. So just something people are keeping in mind as well. Gavlowski then discusses ways to prevent and monitor insects in stored grain. One of the main things to preventing stored grain insects is to make sure you're starting clean. So cleaning out the bin, inspecting the bin, making sure there's no areas where insects can get in. But also the equipment that we use to harvest and move the grain. If grain has been sitting in that equipment since last harvest, there's a chance that you may have a small population of stored grain insects already started in that grain. So clean out anything that you are using to uh, move grain, uh, combines, grain wagons, uh, truck beds, augers, things like that. Make sure you're starting clean. And that's a good way to prevent problems occurring in the first place. Once you get the grain in the bin, Ideally, you want to try to get the temperature down to below 15 degrees as quickly as you can. So maybe getting aeration going in the evenings, uh, if you've got aeration for the bins. Anything you can do to get it below 15 degrees is good because that way the star grain beetles won't be able to reproduce in your bins. But if you already have insects in your stored grain, he explains how to get rid of them. Well, there's a few options. One is using a grain vac, but you have to use a slow enough speed. If you if you um, putting uh, too large a volume of grain through the vac at a time, it protects the insects and your kill is reduced. So you'd have to use the grain vac at a slower speed. And if you create a 90 degree angle in the grain vac pipe, the 
beetles end up getting pinged against the side of the piping, and that's what, what kills them. So the grain vat can be an option. There is something called diatomaceous earth, and it's available as products like protected or insecto. It can be an option, but it takes often weeks for the insects to die. Uh, it scrapes up their cuticle, and they end up uh, desiccating. But it does take a while for that to work. So if you do have insects and you're willing to sell the grain quickly, it may not be an option. There's fumigants as well, like phostoxin and fumitoxin. But with those, you need a special license, something called a stored agricultural products license to apply them. So often somebody would have to be hired to do that. And there's a cost to that. And they are potentially dangerous products. So you'd have to use caution if you went that route. Dr. John Gavlosky is the provincial entomologist for Manitoba Agriculture, based in Carmen. You're listening to SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM News Director, Ryan Young. This segment of SaskAg Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com Ag for Life is in the process of creating a committee to look at to look rather for the synergies between agriculture and Alberta's energy sector. Ted Menzies, the board chair for Ag for Life, says they have been taking the message of agriculture into classrooms for years now, and they want to do that with energy too. Well, certainly it can be a regular discussion because Ag for Life, because of the longstanding acceptance of uh, educators being able to tell a good story to young people, where their food comes from, how it's produced, Uh, so can the same message be delivered as what heats your home, what cools your home in summer. All of these energy-related, ag-related coincidences, if that's actually a word, are a very simple message to put forward. And, And so many you know, you've either got a, uh, an uncle or an aunt or maybe your granny and grandpa that live on a farm or the same goes for who's involved, who's employed in the oil and gas sector, the energy sector, whether it's electricity or whether it's in the oil and gas sector. Families still connect with that. And through Ag for Life, we've found it just incredibly unbelievable how the story from a session in a classroom in the school gets repeated at the supper table in the evening and the parents are actually picking up that the young people are starting to understand where their food comes from and where their energy comes from. The Alberta government has been tackling the issue of abandoned wells, which has created created a difficult relationship between the ag and energy sectors. Menzies was asked how to best address the problem should it be asked in the classroom. Through discussions, through sitting down and talking about it, we think this could actually be a benefit for that. Uh, There's nothing worse than two people of different viewpoints uh, shouting across social media at each other. But maybe this advisory committee could encourage the two parties to sit down and, you know, with the government or without the government, and come up with a solution how we can uh, how we can repair how we can reclaim some of uh, these abandoned wells. 
That's Ted Menzies, the chair of the board of directors with Ag for Life. Here's the market updates with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. Grain prices at Viterra were mostly up in early trading today. Canola is up $6.90 at $7.70.62. Yellow Peas is up $9.19 at $3.75.08. And number one Red Spring Wheat is down $3.34 at $3.34.52. The rest were unchanged. Durham at $5.23.93. Feed barley two ninety five sixty one, chickpeas ten thirty six seventeen, flax five sixty one fifty four, lentils eight forty eight seventy eight, oats three oh one thirty two, feed wheat two forty ninety seven. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for September is down ten and three quarters cents at seven dollars and sixty five cents a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the voice of Saskatchewan, six twenty CKRM. Livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock 842-4574. Now, the livestock quotes. Heartland Livestock Market Report. It's Brett Jensen reporting from the Swift Current Yards. Last week in our regular sale, we had 500 head on offer. And here's how it went. The good cows, they were trading from $1.30 to $1.45 with sales up to $1.56. Medium cows, they were $1 to $1.20. The heifers and feeding type cows, they were $1.80 to $2.36. And the good bulls, they brought $1.50 up to $1.78. We did have a handful of calves on offer. Heifer calves at 200 to 300 pound heifers there. They were $2.70 to $3.40 a pound. Three weights were 320 to 360. The four weights were 280 to 335. Into the steer calves at three weight steers, they were 440 to 470. And the four weight steers, they were 380 to 437. Our next yearling sale is going to be September the 7th at 9.30 a.m. Folks, our fall schedule is out. Let's take advantage of this hot feeder cattle market and get them booked in to go ringside in front of our very strong buyer's row. 773-3174. Canada's source for quality, Heartland Livestock and Swift Current. The latest pork prices are at $228.25 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Ryan Young. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. Germany's rail workers will not go on open-ended strikes after less than half of union members voted for all-out strike action. A vote of 75% in favour would have been necessary to trigger an all-out strike. The vote was preceded by months of so-called warning strikes lasting for hours or days, which are a common tactic in German wage negotiations. The German news agency DPA reports that a majority of workers also voted in favour of a compromise offer from arbitration. On the markets, the TSX is up 189 points at 20,025. The Dow is up 239 points to 34,586. Oil is up 8 cents at $79.91 per barrel. And the Canadian dollar is at 73.60 cents U.S. And that's the Resource Report. If you missed any segment of the show, you can tune in to the On Demand SaskAg Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. And that's going to do it for SaskAg Today. I'm Ryan Young. Have a nice day.
This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.